Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 73 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding this show. Welcome back if you've listened before and an extra warm welcome if this is your first show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. My guest this week is Pete Wedderburn, and he is going to be talking about Kiko. But first, in some doggy news... Being a police dog is tough enough, but if your name is Riggs, which uh, fans of the Lethal Weapon movie franchise will understand, um, Riggs is a police dog in the uh, Kenosha Police in Wisconsin, USA. Um, He was called upon when the police were trying to apprehend a murder suspect. The murder suspect fled on foot with a firearm. Riggs went into pursuit and took down the suspect. Uh, In the process, Riggs was unfortunately shot in the head, but that didn't deter him from taking down the suspect. And the suspect was also shot in the abdomen legs by police. Uh, Riggs and the suspect were then taken to separate hospitals. Uh, both have since recovered. Riggs is undergoing a little bit of a rest for a couple of months to reassess if he is able to rejoin the force. Well done, Riggs. Moving north and into Canada, in Calgary, thieves stole a minivan in the early hours of the morning. Um, what they didn't count on is inside the minivan was a black Labrador by the name of Buddy. Um, Don't really know what happened at this stage, but uh, later on in that afternoon, the van was spotted, uh, parked not too far away, and the good news is Buddy was still inside, so it seems as though... The uh, thieves had a bit of a soft spot for Buddy and all ended well. And now, this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here today with Pete Wedderburn. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you for taking a little bit of time out and jumping on the show. It's my pleasure. So, uh, whereabouts in the world are you? Well, I'm sitting in my office in a little town called Bray, B-R-A-Y, which is on the coast about 20 kilometres south of Dublin city centre in Ireland. So it's on on the east coast of Ireland. So we're basically, if you can imagine, Dublin's a big city. And then when you get to the edge of Dublin, it's kind of a small bunch of fields and so on. And then there's another small, another town. And so we're the first town out of Dublin on the way south from the city. So that gives you a sense of where we are. Yeah, that no, sounds very nice. And uh, who are we going to talk about today? 
We're talking about my adored little terrier, who is an 11-year-old dog called Kiko, K-I-K-O. Oh, very nice. Now, as per usual, I'm going to ask you to take us back in time to before you met Kiko and talk to us and tell us about that, the hows and whys that that happened. So, so what happened was we had, at that stage, we had another dog, another terrier called Spot. Spot was very elderly. He was 14 at that stage. And um, we were very aware that he was slowing down a lot. And we knew that sometimes what really works for an older dog is to have some young life in the house. And so we decided that, you know, we would be a little bit on the lookout for a puppy. And I've, I've always been very aware of uh, of the importance of choosing the right puppy. And it's, it's quite a complex process. You, because, you know, because there, there is the, you know, there is the logical side, you know, where you, you look for a type of animal that suits you and so on. But there's also what I would call the heart side, which is that you can, you can have a puppy that ticks all the boxes on paper, but there isn't uh, chemistry between you. So we, we knew that we had to find not only the, the, the right kind of dog, but also it had to be the right individual dog. And that was a challenge. So what I've, what I've always done is kind of just feel like put it out there. Um, I suppose mentally or whatever, um, some people would say to the universe, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. just um, that we, we had space in our life for a, a young dog. So anyway, that was that was kind of where we started from. That was well before Kiko had even been conceived. But so then what happened was a good friend of ours, um, she had he had a, 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 a female dog who was who was quite heavily pregnant and he was going away and he, he needed to have that little dog minded. Um, and so. We agreed to mind the little dog um, and she was a small terrier and we kind of, we had her for about two weeks and we kind of fell in love with her because she was just an adorable little creature. Um, and then the fact that she was pregnant kind of that, that um, made our ears prick up and we talked to him and said, listen, um, you know, she, she's going to have pups. Would we be able to perhaps have one of those pups? And he said, of course, yeah, I'll, I'll put your name on one. And she wasn't a pedigree dog or anything. Um, and it had actually been an accidental breeding, but it was a kind of half-planned accidental breeding because he knew that a lot of people loved his little dog and he knew that he'd have no problem finding homes for, for, for the puppies that she produced. So that was kind of that was kind of the background to Kiko's. So so then what happened was on the day that she had the pups, he, he, he sent us a photograph of all the newborn pups. And he said, one of these is yours. Um, and, uh, um, and, uh, and that, and that was it. Um, and so, um, we knew then that she was, that she was on the way to us, even though we hadn't met her. Mm-hmm. How many were in the litter? There was about seven in the litter. It's my memory. Seven, um, three females and four males. And we wanted a female. So one of the females was ours. And then there was, and, and then there was a, an incident happened around this time, which, which was that. This was 11 years ago. Now, at that stage in Ireland, it was tradition that puppies, terrier puppies, had their tails docked, had their tails topped off. Um, um, but I would have been always very against that because tail docking, you know, it's there's no purpose to it. It's only cosmetic. It's only done because it's always been done. 
Um, so I was campaigning at that stage to stop tail docking. And in fact, since then, it has become illegal in Ireland and it's not done anymore. Mm-hmm. But at that stage, at that stage, it was tradition. So, so we'd said to our friend, look, whatever you do, you know, you mustn't dock her tail. Um, because we knew that he, 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 to some extent, was in circles where, where um, you know, people with, who liked terriers at that stage, it was the normal thing that somebody would, somebody would dock those pups' tails. So, so we made it very clear to him we didn't want that to happen. But anyway, then what happened was I was out for, for dinner with my, my family, my, my wife, my two daughters. And at that stage, the younger daughter was, she just had her 11th birthday. So in, in our mind, to some extent, this puppy was arriving partly as a, as a birthday surprise for her. And, 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 she, and, and we just told her that. Um, and so there was a little bit of celebration in our family. But so during this family meal, we got a phone call from our friend who had the puppy. And we said to him, look, just want to stress to you again that we don't want her tail docked. And he said, oh. And I said, what? And he said, well, the man visited today and I forgot. Oh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but her tail's gone. And I was really upset. But my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, was devastated. And a family meal then ended in tears and we all headed home feeling really very sad. But um, anyway, um, about half an hour later, a friend phoned me back and, I, and, and he said, hi, Pete, how's it going? And I said, look, I, I still can't believe that that happened. And he said, what? I said, about a tail. He said, that? I was only joking. I was only winding you up. Of course, of course, of course I didn't take a tail off. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, so she has a fine long tail and... Uh, and we, we were, unfortunately, the evening was a bit ruined, but yeah. otherwise, um, it was a happy ending. <laughs> so that was so that so, so so then then of course then she stayed with him till she was about um, because because I'm a vet and uh, vaccinations and so on are easier. We we actually took her around seven weeks of age, mm-hmm. so she's been with us since she was really very young, um, and. Um, yeah, she settled in very quickly and she did indeed become a great companion to our older dog, Spot. And the two of them, kind of, he, he kind of reared her, if you like, before he eventually passed away when he, about a year and a half later. Okay. Um, and and Kiko then became our, our, our main dog as such. Well, our only dog for a while anyway. Um, and, and since then, she's been a very central part of our lives. Ah, very much like, like they all are. Can you um, recall over the first sort of like couple of months of her puppyhood were there any sort of like major issues with her settling into the home um no she, she was a very well behaved dog from the start we've always been keen on using crate training for puppies mm-hmm. and that's what we did with kiko what that what that means is that you know she very quickly began to realize that this metal crate was her bed. And so she'd go in there and that, that's where she was happy. And um, she never messed in there at all. So we used that as a way of house training her that she was when she was in the crate, she knew she wouldn't want to go in there. And when, when we took her out of the crate, we would take her straight outside and give her loads of praise when she went to the toilet. And then we bring her back in again. And as well as that, then, if she was ever out of the crate walking around, we would watch her very closely. And... Um, at key times, we would realise she was about to go to the loo and we would take her outside and wait until she peed and then give her loads of praise. And the key times would include, for example, um, just when she'd woken up, 
she'd been sleeping um, immediately after a meal, but also at any time she she would just sort of start to look a bit different. She might start stop playing. She would start to walk in circles. We would see that she was about to she had a bit of an urge on her, and we take her outside. So she 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 was house trained very quickly indeed. And, um, and uh, yeah. And in which room mm-hmm. were the was was her crate? So we actually have what would be called in this country a utility room. So it's a room with with, with washing machine and dryer in it, and a and a fridge and 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 the um, the boiler for the heating system for the house. So so it's a you know it's not a huge room, but it's a big enough room to have a, a, a couple of dog crates and and uh, and feeding bowls and so on. And that's that's kind of the dog's base in the house. So okay. that's that, that's that's and she knows. I mean, over the years, one of the things that's evolved has been the routine. And I think for all dogs, I think having a strong routine is is a, is a great thing. Uh, it, it makes their life more predictable and um, and they like it. So, for example, and bedtime is a classic example. When when, um, uh, when it gets towards bedtime, the dogs come out for a, a final walk and then they come in and I would say time for bed. And Kiko would skip over and jump into her into her crate, waiting in her bed. And I would then say, good girl. And I'd say, brush your teeth. <laughs> and when I say brush your teeth, I then give her a dental chew. Mm-hmm. And she loves the dental chew. So she'll take it and she'll then kind of snuggle down into her into her bedding and chew the chew. And that I then shut the door and that's her gone to bed for the night. So that's her routine. And I, she's done that since she was young. And um, it's just it's part of her life. And uh, and she always slips right through the night. There's never been an issue like that. Ah, nice. Mm-hmm. So, what would have been her? And does she still have the same sort of favourite games and things to play like that? Um, yeah, her her play behaviour is is interesting. In that, generally, she doesn't. She's not really a player, if you like. She doesn't really do many games or those kind of a things. But the one thing that she absolutely loves is squeaky toys. Mm-hmm. She just, she becomes obsessed with them. Um, so what that means is now and again, we come across a really good, sturdy, squeaky toy and we let Kiko play with it. And the only problem is that she is so obsessed with it. And her obsession has one goal, and that is to stop the thing squeaking, to find the squeak, <laughs> to find the squeak and disembowel it and kill it. So uh, so she'll spend, she'll literally spend hours with this squeaky toy until it, with nearly every toy, she has eventually managed to, to, to disembowel it, get the squeak and stop it squeaking. There is one, the, the current toy that we have has actually worked so well that she doesn't do that anymore. She, 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 it's actually a very clever one because what it does is it has a slightly intermittent squeak. In other words, she'll chew it sometimes and it doesn't make much of a squeak, but then she'll get the right spot and it'll squeak away. But then it kind of goes again and and um, and it's made of very tough material. So so she it's not, not been possible for her up to now to actually tear the fabric. Um, and so that's that that actually is, has been the best ever toy that we've had for her and that works really well. Oh, nice. So you mentioned walks. What's the what's your local walk sort of like? Oh, and I'll just say again, there's one one bad thing about the squeaky toy before we go on to the walks. Yeah. <laughs> the corollary of that is that Kiko also loves 
anything that squeaks. And so, <laughs> unfortunately, we've had over the years we've had some tragedies with squeaks. Um, and the, the first one of those was um, one of our pet rabbits, unfortunately, that had escaped and was free ranging. And Kiko found her. And K Kiko is um, the most rapid dispatcher of small creatures. She just grabs them and. And, and and shakes her head and they've gone very quickly. So she, unfortunately, she killed that rabbit. And equally unfortunately, over the years, we keep hens out in our backyard and we keep, they're, they're in a separate section. They're mm -hmm. always fenced off. Um, and we're very, very careful with them. But in the recent years, there've been two incidents um, when Kiko has, in one instance, she managed to get through the barriers um, and there was one particular young chicken hen that we had that we adored. And she, when she found the little crack in the fencing, um, she was like a torpedo. Um, we were there at the time and she was literally, she, she, she shot through, grabbed the little bird and shook. And we were there immediately, but it was too late. The bird was dead. And then another, another, another lovely little hen that we had, had, had unfortunately managed to, to fly and, flew over um, the, the barrier fencing, landed on the lawn, and we saw this happening because we were outside. And we, it was like it was all in slow motion. We were going, no! Oh. And, and Kiko was, again, like a torpedo. And we got there literally, I suppose, five seconds after she got to the, the hen, but, but, but it was too late, and she'd de-squeaked the hen, which also very sadly meant she'd killed the hen. Um, so she, that's a bad side of Kiko, and we just need to watch that very carefully. I think it's a lot of, a lot so, of mixed emotions there. Yeah, it is. I mean, you, you can't blame Kiko. No, you know, she, oh, it's in a, um, in a DNA. And, and and when the animals have died, the rabbits and the two hens, it's been very a very very quick death. You know, they've 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 um, she, she's merciless and and brutal, but very very fast. Um, so they haven't suffered a lot at the time, but it's the loss of life and loss of our friends in each of those occasions that's been very very upsetting. And it actually makes it very difficult to, to be nice to Kiko afterwards because you do, even though you know rationally she didn't mean to do that as such. She wasn't, you know, she, she wasn't being vindictive. It's just what she is. Um, but it's still, it's, it's difficult to, to feel quite so fond of her after she's done these things. Um, but, you know, that's life. Yeah. Do you, have you, do you get much sort of like uh, negative criticism from different sort of like other people that you've mentioned that to? Um, well, uh, yes, I mean, it's, uh, like I say, it's life. I mean, you, you can argue in each of those cases we should manage her more effectively, um, I suppose. And so I feel a bit guilty about that. But um, I, I, think it's, I think it's what happens. Um, however careful you are, um, sometimes um, accidents happen. And, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, um, it's just part of, of of the challenge of having animals living together. You have to do your best to manage their relationships. And sometimes um, the management isn't, you know, it doesn't go as smoothly as you'd like it to go. Yep. And life is very, life, life is life is very vulnerable and fragile. Yes. Um, and, you know, yeah. Also, sometimes that uh, some people need to be aware of, the ancestry of uh, what their different breeds, and I know it's a, not not wanting to stereotype, but there are a lot of breeds mm. that have been bred over hundreds and more 
thousands of years to do specific things. And just in the last yes. couple of years, we look at a dog like that and someone says, that's a pretty dog. And they want to take them mm. out of and change what has been in their DNA for a long, long time. And it's a challenge for a lot of dogs. No, you can't. I mean, the, dogs are what they are. And actually, an interesting thing about Kiko is that we we did wisdom panel insights on her, the dog DNA test. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. So yes. what you can do, because we knew, obviously, that her mother was a, was a, was a Jack Russell. That's what her mum was. But we, we didn't know who her dad was because there were, there were several possibilities, you see. Um, because there, there had been a, a few visiting or a few male dogs had been around when this little terrier was in, in season. So what we did is we, we took, did this this um, mouth swab where we, we put a swab into her mouth and, and send it off to, to the laboratory. And what they did is they analysed her DNA and they sent us a report telling us what her genetic background was. So... Um, that report split up into significant, intermediate, intermediate, and minor. So on the one side, obviously, the most significant finding was that there was a Jack Russell Terrier. That was 50% of her genes. That was absolutely clear. The other side was more fuzzy, and they, you know, there were there were several possibilities. Um, and um, the best guess is that there was a um, uh, there was a Dachshund male dog that she'd been mingling with <laughs> and it didn't come out as being the number one, mm-hmm. but it came out as being, uh, you know, um, amongst the mix there, it was, it was the, the strongest possibility. So that's what we reckon she was. Mm. Um, so both of those little dogs, Russ, Jack Russell's uh, and Dashun's, they're designed as little hunters, you know, Absolutely. they're designed, they, they've been, they were bred originally to, 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 to hunt squeaky things and kill them, yep. whether they be rats or or, or mice or or whatever. So um, you know, this is what is in her brain. This is what she's been. Her ancestors were good at this. So you know, what all we can do is fulfil her needs as best we can by giving her squeaky toys that she enjoys. So she has her brain has those boxes ticked. So if you can imagine a little dog having a sense of fulfilment for Kiko. That sense of fulfilment will mean um, chasing and catching squeaky things and conquering them, yeah. and that makes Kiko, that makes Kiko feel she's achieved her mission in life. <laughs> so we, you know, so so like it's an important part of having a dog is you make sure that you, they do get to fulfil their yes. behavioural needs, and and for her that's that, yep. and we just try try to keep the rest of our pets safe. Um, and look, I mean, she's always like we we've, we have. Over the years, we've had guinea pigs, rabbits, hens, um, ducks, all sorts of creatures running around the place. And over that time, there's been three incidents. So, you know, that's over over, over 11 years. That's It's not too bad. And no, we're, you know, um, yeah. Since we're on the yeah. other species, what about interactions with larger sort of animals, particularly? Yeah. Yes. Well, we, we, we have... After Kiko, when Kiko was, was three or four years old we, and our other dog, Spot, had passed away, we ended up taking another dog called Finzi, who is a kind of like a big Labrador cross, um, kind of lurcher type dog. Anyway, um, so Kiko has always been 
a little bit intimidated by big dogs. And I, mm-hmm. I understand that because she's very little. She probably weighs five kilograms. So she's, she, you know, she's a small terrier. So, uh, uh, um, you know, a 30 kilogram Labrador is six times as big as her. If you can imagine, if you can imagine coming up against um, a, 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 a creature, if you like, that's um, six times bigger than you. So let's say you might weigh a... 10 stone. So now there's a 60 stone creature coming yes. up to you. It's pretty, pretty intimidating, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. You know, so, so, so Kiko has a history of being a little bit anxious around such big creatures. Um, but, uh, and what she tends to do, which a lot of little dogs tend to do is she reacts out of, um, she has a little bit of fear based aggression. And what I mean by that is that she'll, move away, but then she'll rush up and yap, 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 and then move away again. Mm. Um, and and, uh, and um, sometimes she's, it's been unfortunate when she's been like that out on walks because, you know, most dogs are, are most big dogs are fairly chilled, but once in a while uh, a big dog will get annoyed with her doing that and will get a bit aggressive back. And mm. it's been difficult. Um, and actually we learned, we learned a bit of a trick Um to deal with that, which was that um, when she, uh, she'd been better and worse at different stages. And at one time she was getting a bit worse. And what we did then is we engaged her with a local doggy daycare. Uh, um, and they, they took her in um, two days a week. And she then um, spent time with other dogs, including a bunch of smaller dogs, but also some bigger dogs. And what we found was that once she was spending calm playful time with other big dogs, then she became much more relaxed about big dogs that she met when she was out and about. And so that was that was a way of, um, if you like, um, socialising her and habituating her to, to these larger animals. So she then, I suppose, learned, look, these aren't things to be frightened of. These bigger animals are okay. Um, and so over the years, from time to time, if she has got a little bit more edgy with bigger dogs, we've taken her back to the doggy daycare. And again, you know, within a few weeks, she's got calmer with them. Mm-hmm. So we've learned, we've learned, if you like, to understand her, uh, her, 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 uh, her issues around those. And, and we found this way of dealing with them. Okay. Yep. Mm. Um, so going um, back to just around the, the local area and walks mm. what uh, yes. is that sort of what sort of terrain and what sort of things does she sort of like enjoy going out around there so i guess we've got two two main walking areas that we've used over the years the first one is a, it's a big public park um and it, it's what we like about it is it's, it's well lit um it's got tarmac paths um yet there's lots of greenery and woodland um and there's even a dog park there, so we've learned that it's a you know um, it's a great place to 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 safe place to walk, and it's a bit social. So we meet other people, and Kiko gets to meet other dogs. And for years, that was our main walking place. Um, um, and then the other place is which we've been using more recently during COVID, is just uh, I suppose it's a it's the the grounds of a big stately home near our town and you pay a membership for that 
It's not very much. But if you remember, then you can take your dog and walk them there. And it's, it's much more countryside like. Mm -hmm. So wider fields and hills and um, woodlands. And so it's, it's and, and, and less animals around and less people around. So it's not as social, um, but it's it's more uh, more countryside like, if you like. Yeah, so it's like a private, these, private dog we, park type thing. That, well, that's it. We prefer that. And just to go back to the dog park thing, I, I just mentioned that the other place that we go, there is a dog park. And I have to say, sadly, the, our experiences with dog parks have not been good. Um, and it's actually put me off dog parks as a as a thing. And the reason for this is that we had a, a particular incident where um, we were in the dog park and it was great. And um, Kika was playing with some smaller dogs and um, and our other dog, Finzi loves chasing a ball. And so we were chucking a ball repeatedly. Um, and this is all going well. But then what happened was a big boxer, big male boxer came in um, and Kika went up and did a bit of a yap to her, to, the, to, to, to this big boxer. Not an aggressive one, just a yap, yap, yap. And the dog jumped on Kika, put his paw on her and really had a good go at her. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and, um, and the owner of the big boxer came up and I said, look, your, your dog is giving our little dog a really hard time. Would you mind controlling him? And he said, ah, no, <laughs> that's what dogs do. What's the problem? You know, this, this dog was hurting our little dog a lot. Um, and and it, it quickly kind of escalated into a bit of a, a shouting match between me and the, the owner of the boxer dog. And and that, I'm afraid, was the last time I went to the dog park. That's because it, you know, and, and, and I realized, like, to me, um, dog parks at their best are in places like New York, where they're busy dog parks and they're sufficiently busy that the local authority employs a referee, if you like, a dog warden, to be there all the time. So that if incidents happen, such as happened with Kiko and this boxer, that, you know, some, somebody would step in and mm -hmm. say, look, mister, you can't let your dog attack other dogs. You know, you have to control your dog. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, and there would be some discipline then applied. And that's the only way I think that dog parts can work well. Otherwise, it's too easy for them to be dominated by difficult dogs and my con I actually have a concern about dog parks because they are becoming more popular my concern about dog parks is they can lead to what you might call ghettoization of dogs in other words if there's a dog park then that gives people who don't like dogs uh, the excuse to say get your dogs out of everywhere else get them out of the public park you can no longer walk your dog in the public park you have to go to the dog park and so you can end up in a situation where the only way the only place dogs are allowed to run is in dog parks um and and i i that's not the society i want to live in i want no, to live in a society I, I want to live somewhere where i mean people have to be responsible for their dogs you know and you know you can't have dogs that you can't have dogs that annoy other people you have to have your dog under control at all times um and if your dog is under control at all times then i, I can't see why we shouldn't have dogs in all parks, you know, um, and okay, you, you might, I know, I understand there are some people who have an almost like a phobia of dogs and so they, they get very, very frightened when there are dogs even close to them. And so I can understand that, yeah, we do need to have some areas where dogs aren't allowed at all. And that, that allows for people to go somewhere 
feeling safe, that they're not going to be confronted by a dog that they're anxious about. But in general, I think dogs should be allowed everywhere. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, so having said that, and then with you having Kiko as such a small dog, have you ever mm. taken a places where it might have been, oh, you know, like, oh, should she have gone in there or? <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, well, Nothing she, that's Kiko going to incriminate comes, you. <laughs> no, Kiko, Kiko, Kiko actually comes everywhere with me. And as it turned out, like I, I do in Ireland, I do t- television regularly. I used to do a weekly breakfast TV spot and Kiko always comes with me. Um, and she's the, the best television dog, the best media dog you can imagine. Partly because she's very good natured, partly because she's small. And so she can be, you can carry her in one hand. What, what, under your arm very easily mm-hmm. and she and she's very good natured and also interestingly because she she wears makeup all the time and you might say what yeah, what are you talking about you're going to have to explain well, that I, okay well what I, what I mean by that is that her facial coloring is such she's got a light brown face but she's got black pigment around each of her eyes. That's just the way her face is. Mm-hmm. But what it actually means is it's as if she's wearing eyeliner. <laughs> Uh, so, so it, give, it, it means that her eyes really stand out very beautifully, and mm-hmm. she's a, a very good-looking dog um, on television and in photographs. Because our other dog, Finzi's, she's black. She's a black dog, completely black. And the problem with a completely black dog is that that's utterly useless when it comes to um, photographs and video because you, you can't see the you, you can't see the dog's expression or. Or, or facial features. So Kiko is the perfect media dog. So she comes everywhere with me, um, and she's very good at that. Um, and I, I've, I've never felt she's been out of place at all. Um, I mean, I, you always have to be careful when it comes to, you know, things like restaurants and so on, um, or even in, in Ireland pubs. Um, you know, some some pubs let dogs in, others don't, uh, and so you have to be aware of that. Um, yeah. Have there ever been any sort of like, shall we say, interesting sort of instances that you can recall? Uh, well, they have on again, slightly unfortunately, because oh, no. it, <laughs> if, if 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 Kiko, she's always a very good natured dog, but it, there are some instances where other dogs get a little annoyed with her and she's, she's not one to back away. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if, if another dog comes up to her and gets a bit uppity, then she'll get very uppity back. And so it's only, I've never been aggression as such. It's only been barking, but it can, she's got a very high pitched bark. And so there have been times when, um, uh, yeah, there've been barking sessions where if two people were shouting at each other, they'd be chucked out of the pub and that's effectively as what had to happen. There's a Kiko and the other dog had to be extracted. <laughs> Not very social. It's an interesting picture mm. of uh, perhaps some bouncer type personnel coming over and say, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. Um, exactly. So traveling around, how does Kiko usually travel? Yeah, so we, we basically we have um, we have a hatchback type car with a boot area, or what's called a boot in Ireland. Maybe in Australia you call that a trunk. I don't know. 
um, and the, the top bit of it is open. Um, and so, and it's, 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 it's lined by a special kind of PVC type liner and then it's got some blankets or um, special dog, special kind of, what do you call them, blankets that are designed to line a boot. Um, so that they're, they're, you know you can wash them and and, mm-hmm. and um, so on. So she travels there with with Finzi. The two of them travel in the back of the car like that, um, and and that that works really well. Um, I'm very very aware of dog safety uh, in, in travel, and you know um, dogs are dangerous if they're out and about in the car. They're dangerous to themselves if there's an accident, but they can they can cause an accident even by getting under the pedals if the dog was allowed to run around the place. And as well as that. Um, a little dog like Kiko would actually become a missile if there was an accident. She'd be flying through the air and she could collide with a person and, and cause injuries to the person as well as injuries to herself. Yeah. So travel, traveling in the back of the car like that works really well uh, uh, um, because it's, if there was an accident, she would be safely contained inside the small space there. I mean, the only catch is that she is a bit of a climber. Uh, and so we'd have to watch that if, if she's, if we left her alone in the car at all, she'd be quite quick to clamber over the top of the the boot and and then into the rest of the car. And she'll do that if there's if there's any food around at all. She's highly motivated by food and finding food. And um, so we do have to watch that side of things, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's an escape artist. So having the food as a as a big motivation, do, do mm. you use any um, specific type of training for her? Um, yeah, I basically that what what we have is there's a range of treats called Thrive. I don't probably don't have those in Australia, but they're like little dried liver treats, um, and so that they're, they're extremely tasty. Um, they probably measure less than a centimeter um, in diameter, mm-hmm. little treats. Um, but they they Kiko absolutely loves them, and so if we're exercising her on walks and so on there would be times when we'd want to come back and she's out running and we will call her back and her recall is very good but it's predicated on the fact she knows she's going to get the retreat mm-hmm. so the word is treats 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 uh, and she will sit down right in front of you and look up with great expectation and then she'll get her little thrive treat and she just adores those yeah so she's she our other dog Finzi, is more motivated by her tennis ball um Kiko, not so much. Kiko, it's well, she would be motivated by a squeaky toy, but because of the obsession, we don't do that too often. Um, and meanwhile, the treats are what really she loves, and she a special little tasty treat. She'll do anything for you if you give her one of those. <laughs> mm. What about um, taking holidays and things like that? Do you think there's a, a favourite spot that that Kiko and would go to yeah we 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 have we like going to west cork which is on the, the sort of southwest of ireland um and we often go to cottage there and kiko and finzi would come with us usually and they fit in really well and they enjoy the travel and they they enjoy new areas you go to new walks and you can just tell like when, when we go for new walks they, they do a lot more running around and sniffing than they would do at home so obviously mm-hmm. they're loving the, the new sense that they get from a new place so yeah, they'd often come with us. If you go overseas, as you do sometimes on holidays, then um, we have somebody stay in our house, and 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 that that that's the best answer. I don't know if you ever come across a, a service called Trusted House Sitters, um, and it's a it basically um, 
it's, it's a, a website. You pay a small subscription for it, um, and it works in two ways. First of all, if you're someone like ourselves who's got some pets that need minded, um, you can put it out there, and somebody from another country usually will come, will visit your country, and they'll use your house as their base, and they'll mind your pets as part of their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and money doesn't change hands. Basically, they get to stay in your place rent-free, and they mind your dogs. Uh, and you get security that your, your dog's been looked after by somebody who likes animals and and um, uh, and will do a good job. And that's the one way it works. The other way it works, we've also done, is um, we would, we would at the start of the year, we'd scan through the listings and we'd say, oh, look, there's a, a, a house in rural France where they've got two dogs and a cat and they want somebody to mind them. And look, they've got a swimming pool at the back and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a lovely area. So we would then um, talk to the people by Skype usually, uh, and we'd come to arrangements, select the dates and work out what works for both of us. And then we would we'd fly to the, the, the airport near them. They'd meet us at the airport. Um, they'd bring us back to their place. They'd um, introduce us to their pets. Um, and we'd spend 24 hours together where we would, we would learn the pets' routines. Um, and then we would then drive the people to the airport in their car, and then we would have the use of their car. Um, they go off on their holiday somewhere else. And we would mind their house and their pets. And then two weeks later, we'd drive to the airport, we'd pick them up again and bring them back. And that's the job done. And so for us, it means we get to visit um, another country. We don't have to pay rent for the property that we're just staying in. And um, uh, and actually also, we get to spend time with some lovely animals when Absolutely. we're away on holidays. Yeah, no, so, sounds you know, great. Win-win win so, for everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 and, and it's like a lot of these online services. It works by, by reviews and by recommendations. So, you know, you, as a house, as a, as a pet and house minder, um, you get some reviews. And so other people who are looking for a house, my house and pet minder, they can, they can look at your profile and they can see that you're a reliable person who's done a good job in the past. And, you know, um, that's how it works. Yeah. So, trustedhousesitters.com it's a, it's a it's a great website and it works really well if you want to have a different way of having your pets minded yeah, that sounds great to give it a look mm. Mm. Um, the question I ask all my guests is to complete the sentence I can't believe mm-hmm. my dog ate yes I can't believe she ate that box of chocolates <laughs> a box of chocolates I've, 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 had, was, I've had a little this, bit <laughs> This was incredible. So what happened was, we it was towards Christmas time. Somebody had given us a Christmas present. There was a box of chocolates, and it was gift wrapped with a ribbon, and it was in the middle of the kitchen table. Um, and um, Kiko, you know, she 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 moves around the, the house, the kitchen, the living area, whatever, and she was alone in the kitchen probably for no more than half an hour. And then I came in and what she'd done is she'd jumped up onto the table, which she never does. And she had to, she had to negotiate her way up there, actually, you know, on, onto a small stool, then onto a chair, then onto the table. She'd grabbed the box of chocolates. She'd torn off all the wrapping. She then torn through the cellophane and she'd opened the box and she'd eaten about 10 chocolates when I found her. Ooh. They were all scattered around. Now, She'd never done anything like that before, but she obviously got the scent of the chocolate and she'd decided that she was going to have that. So this was very serious because 
of course it was annoying because they were nice chocolates and she was eating our nice chocolates. But it's also very dangerous. As you Absolutely. know, chocolates are dangerous. They can kill dogs. Yeah, especially so, for a little dog. Uh, that's it, exactly. Yeah, five kilograms doesn't take many chocolates. So I, I had to then, um, I had to take to the clinic and give her an injection to, 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 to cause her to vomit, to empty her stomach. Um, and, um, and, you know, she, she did, she, she regurgitated all of the chocolates. And so, you know, she didn't need any more treatment than that, but I absolutely could not believe that she'd done that because, uh, <laughs> um, you, you, you would have thought that it would have been safe. But since then we realized that chocolate has to be kept, all chocolate has to be kept way out of reach of Kiko. Um, because otherwise she will, she would do it again. She, she obviously, has tasted chocolate and realizes that she loves the taste and she'll mm. do anything to get it if she possibly can. So you mentioned taking it to the clinic for those people mm. that don't know you and your profession. Yes, yeah, I'm a vest. Yeah. I'm a vet. I'm a, I'm a small animal. I'm a companion animal vest. Um, and I, I, there's, I have a vet clinic with this. This we have six vets in our clinic, um, and I, I work part time there these days. Because I also work in the media, um, I do television and radio and writing, and I have a new website which is called PetFix.com, which is about um, giving people advice about pets online. Ah, um, I, I think that for me, the standard search engines don't give people the best answers when they have pet health issues. I know everybody tends to just type into the search engine, blah blah blah, what's going on with their pets, but I know that the the place they get taken when they do that aren't always, in fact, often aren't the best advice. Are you questioning so Dr. Google? must be set up. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm afraid so. Because, listen, I know, I, I, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. If, you, if your dog has a ruptured cruciate ligament and you put that into Google, you'll get taken to websites which tell you you have to have this operation, that operation, whatever. And what you'll not learn, which is very important, is that if your dog weighs less than 15 kilograms, then there's a very high chance that your dog will get completely better with just rest and time. Mm -hmm. And you won't get that advice because what happens is with, with Google is that websites that, um, I suppose, that search engine optimize their content go up to the top of the rankings. And, with that, and, and there's no motivation to anybody to send the message, rest your dog and things will get better with time. People aren't. There's, there's no motivation for anybody to highlight that message. Whereas if, if you're if, if you have a situation where you're providing services that fix dogs' legs surgically, well, you are going to do everything possible um, to put those websites up the rankings. So what that means is that um, websites with some sort of, if you like, agenda, are high ranking, whereas perhaps other very genuine good information websites are way down the ranking. And that means that make that yeah, and that makes it difficult for people to find good information. Mm. So now I'm, I'm not saying by the way that all dogs that less than 15 kilograms should be rested. It's much more subtle than that. There are some dogs that do need to have surgery. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know the point is that accurate accurate and specific information can be very, very hard to find. Yes. through search engines. Yep. And that's why, so petfix.com has been set up to provide trusted information for people um, online. And um, my aim is to provide good quality information about pets for everybody everywhere all the time. And that's the great thing about the internet. So for example, I would often give people advice in little houses in Bangladesh, 
where they have a sick cat and there's absolutely no vet around at all, but they've got their mobile phone and they can contact me via the internet. And I've done that. There was a horse, believe it or not, on an island near Fiji that had a bad injury. And again, they had no access to a vet at all, but they could talk to me. So, you know, the internet is amazing when it comes to crossing distances, but it's also amazing even just, you know, within short distances as a way of sharing information. Absolutely. And so uh, that's that's really what, what I'm about is sharing as much good information as possible with as many people as possible. And traditionally, I would have done that through newspapers, radio, television. But now it's possible to do it via the Internet and to reach even more people mm-hmm. with with. Uh, a lot of issues happen around pets because of ignorance. And ignorance always sounds, I don't know, it sounds like it's accusing people of being stupid or something. And I don't mean that at all. A lot of people, when I say a lot of people are ignorant, I simply mean they just don't know. Just don't know. They just yep. don't know. Absolutely. They just don't know. And so, you know, um, yeah, I try to help people know. And that's what my mission in life is, to help people know more about pets. Um so they can help the animals, the animals are better lives. That's what it's all about for me. Yep, sounds good to me. Mm. So just going back to Kiko and general health, apart from the, the chocolate incident, has, has she had mm. much, have you had much other cause to treat her for anything else? No, well, she, she has her regular health checks and that's easy because I'm a vet and I live with her. <laughs> Um, and I make sure her vaccines are up to date and I make sure her parasite control is up to date. Um, she's never had any health issues. Um, her teeth are really healthy and clean and that's because she has a daily dental chew. It really does keep them that way. Um, now that she's got older, she has a couple of small lumps on her, which, um, you know, not, not very big lumps. They would be, I suppose, the size of a thumbnail, maybe twice, twice the size of a thumbnail, if you imagine. Um, and I, I, um, when dogs get those lumps, the standard thing to do is to investigate them with a technique known as a fine needle aspirate. I'm not sure if you've come across that, have you? Fine yes. needle aspirate? Okay. Yeah. So basically, the vet pushes the needle into the lump, squirts the content of the needle, needle hub onto a microscope slide and looks at, under, looks at it under the microscope. So I know that these lumps on Kiko are just what's called lipomas, which are benign fatty lumps. Fatty lumps, yep. So they're nothing to worry about. Oh, so, okay. no... Other than those things, Kiko's had a healthy little life and um, hasn't had any issues. Would you say she has any interesting, unique habits? Yeah, she has her most, I think her single annoying habit is that when you pick her up and hold her in your arms, which I like to do, she just loves licking people's faces. She <laughs> loves doing that. And... <laughs> And I'm, I'm not particularly against that now and again, but the thing is, she's persistent. So it's very hard to hold her close to you in your arms without her trying to lick your lips. And <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I just wish she wouldn't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty benign, really, though. Um, what about things like uh, grooming? She doesn't need groomed because she's very short, very fine-haired, dog mm-hmm. so she, she's she never needs um i i wash her now and again only if she kind of gets really mucky and something but that i have to say almost never maybe once a year if that okay now um, is she with yeah. the with the water she's grand yeah she's fine she she she's um always been a very very biddable dog 
and um, um, if she doesn't like something, she just wriggles and tries to run away. But once she realizes she can't get away, then she just stays calm and looks at you with her beseeching brown eyes saying, please get this over quickly. Uh, <laughs> and that, and that's it, you know? So she's, she's always been very, very um, easy in that way. Mm-hmm. What about um, water outside as in fresh water or beach, things like that? Um, she's, she's not a swimmer. No. And she's not a, puddle roller our other dog finzi is finzi loves wa- loves water she will seek out water and plunge into it and lie in it and revel in it whereas kiko one of kiko's peculiarities is that she dislikes wetness and and bad weather so if it's raining outside when it's time for the morning walk she will stay in her bed and just look at you and she and she'll shiver and you, <laughs> you know that she's not. She, you know that it's actually put on shiver. She's like, what she's just saying to you with her body language is, "I don't want to go outside today." Yeah. Um, you know, she just doesn't like. I, and I feel sorry for because she, she's a little dog. In fact, we we have a coat for her in, in bad weather. She has a little coat that she puts on, and 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 that does help. So when it's bad weather, you put the little coat on her, and once that's on her she's happier to go outside. So she kind of, like, she's not stupid. And she knows that um, cold weather and wet weather is unpleasant for her. Mm-hmm. And when she's wearing a little coat, it's not so unpleasant because she's protected from it. So um, that's the routine. If you, off the top of your head, had to pick, say, uh, a time that you felt the happiest, that that it was just like a you and her moment, does anything come immediately to mind? Well, I, I think for me, it probably is the times when it's just been me and her and we've been waiting to go on television. And so if you do television work, you basically there's quite a lot of waiting time, um, uh, you know, where, you, where, where everything's been set up and you're going to be on air in half an hour or something. Um, and so what that means is that at those times, it's a very quiet time and it's just me and Kiko sitting in the green room waiting. And I suppose <laughs> that's probably the, the times I remember best with her because it's very focused, just me and her. Mm-hmm. And we're just sitting there together. Uh, and she's very good company in that way. She'll just sit there and be with you and very patient little dog. Um, and uh, yeah, so I have lots of good memories of, of, of those times, just me and her. Mm. Can you think of one uh, of a, one of the more memorable times that she has been on on air with you, and and done something that's yeah, um, she's 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 mostly very good, except that um, there have been times when if she gets a bit impatient, she will bark, and and barking's not good when you're doing live television. <laughs> so that there, <laughs> there have been occasions where where I've had to put her into a crate. Um, usually it's been part of the, I suppose, the, the discussion. I might be talking about how crates are useful. And then I would have, um, I'd also be talking about different treats for dogs. So, um, so I would have some treats in my hand, a Kiko be in the crate. And of course, she doesn't know this is live television. She's meant to be behaving herself. So next thing, she's barking repetitively and loudly. And and I'm kind of having difficulty being heard because Kiko's so keen to get her treats. So she's telling me that she wants her treats in her very loud voice. 
So that hasn't worked well on television. <laughs> um, but look, other than that, she's, no, she, she's actually been the ideal television dog. Um, and um, yeah, I, 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 probably the, one of the, if I think about sort of sad bits in my life, one of the sad bits in my life these days is my knowledge that probably in the next five years, Kiko's going to get to the end of her life. Because that's just what happens. Little dogs like herself tend to live till they're somewhere between 14 and, and, and 17. Um, and so I, I know that I'm going to lose her at some stage in the, in, in the next five years. And I, I, that's, that's just a latent sadness that sits there because I'll miss her so much when she goes. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can mm. very much relate to that too. Yeah. Uh, it has been a very enjoyable conversation. Kiko is definitely a character. She is. She is. Yep. <laughs> so a great we- little dog. Anything else that's sort of coming to mind that you'd like to share about her? Yeah, I've got something. Look here. I'll just show you this. <laughs> that is a globe of the world, you see? Yes. And on one and on one side of it, look, there is a little image of Kiko. So what actually happened was um a charity a charity that, that, that called Goal that, that uh, re, uh, does work in developing countries to, to help people um, they had a, an auction and what they did is the auction was they got different artists from around Ireland to link up with people who owned animals and to create an object that included the animal uh, and the work of art um, and then they auctioned off the different things and so Kiko was chosen as a model by an artist Mm-hmm. Who then made made this sphere, and it's what it's been. It's a big ball, isn't it? It's like a beach ball, really, yeah. but it's solid, it's solid, and um, it's got a, it's got it's a it's a globe, so it's got the whole world on it, but it's also got Kiko's head on one side. And so I went to the auction, I bought the the piece, and it now sits happily in my in my study, um, and um, it's just a lovely image of Kiko. Right yeah, there. You've, you've described it fairly well, and it's a it's a very beautiful mm. and unique piece. It is, isn't it? Isn't it? So um, that will, when Kiko's gone, this will stay with us, um, and um, she'll also be with us in our lives, in one way or another. Yeah. Mm. Do you just want to remind people listening again of um, where they can contact you? Yes. Um, well, I've got two websites. So petfix.com, P-E-T-F-I-X.com. It's the first place you can find me. And I also have a, my own website, which is petethevet.com, petethevet.com. So go to either of those websites um, and click on contact. And you can reach me and I'm happy to talk to anybody, anywhere, all the time. <laughs> Pete, it's been very enjoyable again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have a chat. And thank you from Kiko. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I would really appreciate it if you would tell a friend, just like our new listeners in Lapu Lapu in the Philippines and in LA in the USA. Once again, if you want to leave a review or you want to like or share, please do so. You can contact me at podcast at therelaxeddog.com and feel free to join the Facebook group. Until next week, 
stay safe, and remember, your dog is family.